Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. And we're going to talk about what we just sung about. Here's what we believe. We're in a series that we've entitled Ecclesia. Ecclesia is the Greek word for church or assembly. And Jesus, in talking about the Ecclesia, the church, said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. No matter what Satan tries to do, the church is going to be built. Now, we've talked about different aspects of the church, but what we're talking about now is the doctrine of the church. Why is doctrine important? Because what you believe determines how you're going to behave. If you believe something, you act on it. And you can say you believe in something all you want, but if it doesn't follow over into your actions, you really don't believe it. And so it's important to know what you believe. And so we've been looking at the core beliefs of the church. Now let me just review for you very quickly what they are. We've talked about them in the previous two weeks. Number one, God's word is reliable. If God's word says it, that settles it. We believe in what God's word says. When God's word says God created the heaven and earth, we believe that. When God says something is sin, we believe that. And so we don't question God's word. We don't try to manipulate it. We don't pick and choose from it. What God's word says, it's reliable, and we look at it as the truth. Secondly, God rules. God's in charge. The implication is very simple. You're not. I'm not. God is. God is worthy to be praised. God is over everything. God rules everything. God is in control. Thirdly, man has rebelled. We don't like someone telling us what to do. We don't like someone who tries to boss us around. We have our own free will that we want to have and have our way and do what we want. And if God says that, well, I want to do that. And God will understand, or I don't see anything wrong with it. And we just have a rebellious nature inside of us that doesn't want anybody directing our steps or ruling over us. And so we rebel against that. We rebel against God when we do what we want rather than what he wants. Then... Jesus is the only recourse. The only way to deal with that rebellion, which is called sin, is through what Jesus Christ did on a cross. And on that cross, he died and paid the price for our sins so that we could be brought close to God. God loves us. God cares for us. God wants a relationship with us, but he cannot have a relationship with sin. So Jesus' blood covers our sin, and we have a relationship. That's called salvation. Salvation happens when I recognize my sin and in reality, I'm willing to be honest with me, with God. I'm guilty. I've broken your law. I've broken your rules. I've done my own thing. I'm guilty of it. And then I receive the work of Christ. I believe in what Jesus Christ did on a cross. I believe that's able to save me, to forgive me, and to make me acceptable to God. And then I live a righteous life. If I believe that, I need to live that, correct? Yeah. A lot of people, oh, I believe in Jesus. Well, you know, they tried that once in New Testament, and what's the response? Well, good, even Satan believes in Jesus. But the actions are what prove it. And so, I not only recognize my sin, believe in what Jesus did to forgive me my sins, I then live a life 
that represents God in this world, and I do everything I can to reach other people. Why? Because God loves people. He wants me to love people, and I'll do everything I can to work in a way and to live in a way that is a testimony to love others, and thus the Scriptures tell us to you and I as the church, the Christian will know, the world will know that you are my disciples by the way you love others, by the way you love one another. That love speaks that language. We're going to conclude this today, but there's a couple more things you and I need to believe. I believe the Holy Spirit is relevant. The Holy Spirit is relevant. Of all the parts of the Godhead that we diminish, it's the Holy Spirit that we diminish the most. Remember when we talked about God, He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Most Christians fail to understand just how important the Holy Spirit is in their lives. The work of the Holy Spirit that is going on right now is just as important as the work that Jesus did when he lived on this earth. And here's what Jesus said. He's getting ready to leave. He talks to his disciples. And you know what he says to them? He says, look, the best thing I can do for you is to leave. They're going, what? He says, yeah, I need to go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. You need him now more than you need me here. You need him here. Notice what it says, John 16, verse 7. In fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, notice what he'll do. He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Notice that coming judgment. We're going to talk about that in a little moment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me, to believe that I'm the son of God, to believe what the Bible says about me, to believe in him as, as their way to be saved. They refuse to do that. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has been already judged and there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard and he will tell you about the future. Do you need to make a decision today? If you do, you've got someone you can talk to that knows what the future holds. I need that. He will bring glory to me. The Holy Spirit always exalts Jesus Christ. Always exalts God. He will do that by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And this is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So the Holy Spirit is at work. You and I sometimes have a hard time hearing from God, but the Holy Spirit doesn't. He knows everything God's saying. And when I become a Christian... The Holy Spirit lives in me. He takes up residence inside of me. 
well, if he's in you, how can he be in me? He's spirit. He works different than us. There's things we don't understand, can't comprehend. That's why faith is involved. And so when I accept Christ into my life, when I admit that I'm a sinner, when I believe in what Jesus Christ did, the Holy Spirit now takes up residence inside of me. Notice, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought good news of peace to you Gentiles, that's us, who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. You see, he, he's, he's worked in our lives. He's provided salvation. No one's saved except through the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And then the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now here's the deal though. He lives in you, but you also still live in you. And you've got this nature that is rebellious, that's prideful, that thinks it knows what's best. And you always have this conflict as a Christian that you have to deal with is that there's a part of you that wants your way to do your thing, to be your own person. You know what's best. I want what I want. And there's another part of you says, I want to serve God. I want to do what's right. And those two forces are in conflict with each other, aren't they? Just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. So when the Holy Spirit lives in us and we die, we go to be with God forever because the Holy Spirit takes us there. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. In other words, you're not trapped by it. You can't say, I can't help myself because you can. You have control. Remember, you always have a choice. You choose to listen to you or you choose to listen to the Spirit. It's your choice that you have to make on a daily basis. If you live by its dictates, your nature, if you do what you want to do, you're going to die. Not only physically, but you'll be dying emotionally. You'll be dying relationally with people. You'll have a life that is just dead. No life in it. But if through the power of the Spirit... How do I put to death that old nature? How do, I say, how do I put it to death? I say no to it. How do I say no to it? The Holy Spirit gives me the power to do that. And if you do that, you'll have life. You'll have the greatest life you can live on this planet. And you'll have life eternal. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. You put to death your nature and what it wants to do, sinful as it is, by using the power of the Holy Spirit to obey God. When the Holy Spirit resides within you, here's, here's what you need to know. He's not just hanging out. He doesn't set up a little room in your inside of you, get on his easy chair, get the remote, and just flips through channels waiting for life to go on. No, when he comes to live in you, you know what he starts doing? He starts cleaning house. He starts dealing with issues in your life. You, you want to live for God? Good, I'll help you. 
Let's get rid of this. You shouldn't be doing this. Don't talk like that. Don't have these kind of thoughts. Don't have this attitude. Don't act this way. And unfortunately, you and I so many times, just shut up. I don't want to hear that. I'm okay. No, I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I'll be fine. There's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. I'm right. I'm better than so-and-so. And so inside of us, there's this conflict, isn't there? This battle that goes on. Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I do. Because the Holy Spirit's there. And he's, well, let me put it to you this way. He's not there to make you comfortable. He's living in you to make you holy. He's working in you to help you grow. He wants to help you obey God. He gives you the power to do what you need to do. You don't have the strength to do it on your own, but the Holy Spirit provides power for us to be able to live the life God wants us to live and we want to live as Christians. He's providing you wisdom so that you'll know what to do. He hears from God. He knows what God wants. He's there. He gives you comfort. He's the, he gives you peace. Everything that God provides for you today on this planet, you have because of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. And he's still working in you. Now, you see, here's what you got to guard against because we all do it. We put up these little barriers. I'll go this far, but I'm not going any farther because I don't want to be weird. I want to be like everybody else, but I don't want to be as bad as everybody else. I don't see anything wrong with this and all my friends and I like kind of doing this and I, re I really like this and this and, you know, yeah, but God's there and I know and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. And we hinder the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And one of the ways we do that is because we don't understand how valuable he is to us and how much we need his help. Yes, he's present when you accept Christ as your Savior, but he is not done. He's just started working in your life. And he has more to do than you care to admit because some of you are really a piece of work. And he's got his work cut out for him, doesn't he? And thus we say, well, you know, I don't see anything wrong with it. But if you listen to that little voice inside your head, you know, yes, there is. Well, I don't want to hear that. I'm just saying. Because the Holy Spirit won't shout at you, but he will talk to you through your conscience. He will give you impressions. The Bible says even the Holy Spirit helps us pray. When we don't know what to pray or how to pray, the Holy Spirit helps us. He is a helper. He's a counselor. He's a comforter. He provides for us everything we need. And what's he want to happen? How do I know I'm listening to the Holy Spirit? There is fruit that is produced called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, self-control. When you have those, you're listening to the Holy Spirit. If they're not present, the problem is you are not listening to the Holy Spirit 
to what he's telling you to do. Because he produces fruit. Because, and here's the thing, he wants to be in control of your life. God wants to be in control of your life. And I know I sound like a broken record. We don't want anybody to be in control. And here's, we go this far. Well, I really feel like God wants me to do this. Hold it. First of all, that's you you're listening to. What does the Bible say? Because the Holy Spirit will never tell you to do anything that goes apart from his word. Well, this is an exception. (laughs) No, 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 no. You don't get to rewrite scripture. You don't get to have your own interpretation. And the Holy Spirit is there if you will listen to him. And many times our biggest problems are simply there because we fail to listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling us to do. And we think, oh, I'm listening to him. Oh, I'm, I'm doing this. I, I really think this is right. No, no, no. You're listening to you, and you just want God's approval. So you'll say whatever you need to say to give you the permission to do what you want to do. If, the Holy, if Satan can't get you to not believe in Jesus, and you're going to be a believer, then he will start working on you not to believe in the Holy Spirit. He will do everything he can to put blocks in front of you to keep you from listening and obeying what the Spirit wants to do. And most Christians vastly underestimate what the Holy Spirit can do in their lives. He is more powerful than we imagine. What does it take to listen to him? You have to surrender, don't you? You have to choose to live for God and not for yourself, don't you? The Holy Spirit tells you to forgive. Well, I don't, I I shouldn't have to do that. I didn't do anything wrong. Okay. I tried to warn you. And how many times has the Holy Spirit spoke and we in our stubbornness and our arrogance think we know what's better and we manipulate it and make it sound okay, and it's not. Jesus Christ provides salvation. The Holy Spirit provides growth and maturity and direction in life. We need him. He's here. He's with us. As a Christian, he's in me. But he's not just sitting around. He's doing work in my life. And if I will listen to him, I will have the best life possible. But if I refuse or if I pick and choose, I make life really hard for me. Because his ways are always right. My ways seldom are. But he always is. The Holy Spirit is relevant to today. We need him and be aware of him. Next, we believe that Jesus Christ will return.
He's coming again. He said he was. He told his disciples, look, I'm going away. I'll come back. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'll be back again. Notice what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. After saying this, he, Jesus, was taken up into the cloud while they, these the disciples, were watching and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. And men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. How much clearer can that be? The world might want to deny this and say it's just a bunch of hooey. But again, go back to point number one. We believe in the scripture, right? If it says he's coming back, he's coming back. And he's coming back for you and I. He's coming back to rule and reign. He's coming back to take us home with him. Well, pastor, when is he coming back? I don't know. Soon? Well, are you pre-trib or post-trib? Yes. You can fight over that all you want. He's coming back. That's what matters. Don't miss the main thing. The main thing is he's coming back. The main thing is he wants us to be with him forever. 1 Thessalonians 4.14, since we believe that Jesus died and was raised again to life, we also believe that when Jesus returns, he's going to, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. And we tell you this strictly from the Lord, that we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Well, pastor, how's all that going to happen? They're coming down. We're here. They're there. I don't know. Here's what I do know. Don't miss the main point. We're all going to be with him together. He'll work that out. Here's the great thing about this. Now, here's where our nature gets involved, isn't it? We want to tell God how to do things, don't we? And if we can't tell him how to do things, at least he should explain everything to me so that I understand it all. And God says, listen to you, listen to me, God says. He said, your little pea brain can't handle what I'm about to do. Just, just let it go. I'll take care of things. I'm in charge here. It's okay. I'll be back to get you. When? How? What, what, what about this? And what about my so-and-so? What about this person? What a, I'm coming back for you. Well, what day? Uh, before or after the tribulation? When, when's all this going to happen? You don't need to know. I'm coming back. And we'll all be together. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves and together with them, together with them, together with them. That's what you need to know. We're just together. How's it? They come in first? I don't know. Maybe they're six feet under and they got to come back. They get a six foot head start or I don't know. It, 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 together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and then we will be with the Lord forever. Forever. So encourage each other with these words. We're going to be with him forever. He's coming again. 
He's coming back to get me. Well, what if I die before he comes back? You get a little head start. Well, what's it like when I die? I don't know. Well, what's heaven going to be like? It's just going to be better than you can imagine. It's a wonderful place. Did a memorial yesterday. Here's what I said. I talked about heaven a little bit. I said, here's the greatest thing about heaven that I really have that just amazes me. In heaven, everybody gets along. Boy, that's, that's almost an impossibility, isn't it? You won't have to have your opinions anymore. He's coming again. Count on it. Well, we've waited this long. He hasn't come. He's coming again. He's coming back. And one day, we will be with him forever. Heaven and hell are real. They're real. They're real places. Jesus told us that. Matthew 7, 13. Jesus is speaking. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Who's the narrow gate? Jesus. That's what he's referring to. The highway to hell is broad. It's wide. Many who choose that way. Choose that way. The gateway, highway, gateway, difference, right? To life is very narrow. The road's difficult. Only a few find it. Few considering all of mankind. I remember it was after one Sunday morning service. It was over in the other building. It's been years ago. I was getting ready to leave and walk out the door, and there was a gal standing right there waiting for me. And I just talked about heaven and hell and everything. And she says, Pastor, I just don't agree with you. I said, well, get in line because there's a lot of people who don't agree with me. I don't always agree with me. So, you know, what now? She said, I don't believe God would send anybody to hell. And I said, well, I don't either. She kind of went, what? I go, no, he doesn't send you to hell. You choose to go there. It's your call. You get to choose whether you're going to live for God and whether you're going to do what's right, and you're going to believe in him and follow him and obey him, or you get to choose to live for yourself and do your own thing in life, and then you, you make it a choice to go to hell. You get to go live with whoever you follow here on this earth. You follow God, you get to go live with him in his house. You follow Satan by not believing in God, by not obeying God, by not doing what God calls you to do, to do your own thing, go your own way, then you get to go live for, with Satan in hell because hell was prepared for Satan and his angels. And so God doesn't send you there. You choose to go there. God just establishes the final fact. Romans 2. Because you're stubborn, Show of hands. Come on, get them up. Look at the person next to you. If they don't have their hands up, okay. Oh, you're, listen. What's, what's the sign? This? Okay. Because you're stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin. What's sin? Me doing my own thing. Me not following God's r r rules. You are storing up terrible punishment 
for yourself. For a day of anger is coming. God's anger is against sin. His righteous judgment will be revealed. Righteous, always right. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good because they've believed in Christ, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. In other words, because I believe that this is what I'm going for. This is what I, it's called hope. But he'll pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. Notice what Peter says. The Lord isn't being slow about his promise. Some people think, no, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to go to hell. Did you hear it? He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, to go to hell. He wants everyone to repent. He wants everyone to follow him. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. The heavens will pass away at the terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in the fire. The earth, everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. And since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, one day this planet is going to be destroyed. Why? Because sin has corrupted it. what godly lives you should live because all of this is going to happen. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along because God has just given people more time, do everything we can to reach more people. On that day, he will see the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames, but we are looking forward to new heavens and a new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. Heaven and hell are real. And the world today tries to do every, oh, I don't think God would send anybody to hell. I don't think hell exists. I don't think, oh yeah, you know, I, I believe in heaven, but hell, no, no, no. It's not what the Bible says, the real places. So let me just kind of recap real quickly. We never get away from our doctrine. These things that I've given you over the last three weeks, this is what we believe. Now, you've seen though, in times when he's coming back, this and this, don't know. We have our thoughts about it, but what matters is he's coming back. That's what matters. So keep the main things, the main things. These are the main things. So our doctrine is our message. What are we going to teach? What am I going to teach? What are we going to preach? The message. The message is the doctrine. We teach that we're sinners. We teach that God's in control. We teach he's coming again. We teach the Holy Spirit's alive and well. We teach there's salvation in no other name. That's what we teach. That's what we believe. That's the message that we have. Then our doctrine is our morality. That's how we live. Because all of that's true and all of that's right, we judge our lives by it. We live our lives in accordance to it. This is what we do because it's the truth. And this is what's right. And this is how we're going to live for God because of what we believe. Because what I believe determines how I behave. And our doctrine is our mission. Do everything you can so that more people can know. Do everything you can so that people will see what God is like. Show the love of God to people everywhere. 
Don't live just for yourself, live for others. Jesus died for people. And you and I should be willing to live for them as well. So doctrine becomes critical in our lives. In just a moment, we're going to take communion. Communion is us stating a fact. This is what I believe. Every time we take communion, I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again. Communion says, I believe that there's salvation through Jesus and that he provides it for me. Communion says, I believe he's coming again. So when you take communion, what you're really saying is, these elements represent what I believe. They're my doctrine. I believe the spirits at work in this world today to bring people to salvation to God. I believe that. So scriptures tell us that before we take communion, there needs to be a time of us searching our hearts. I say I believe it. Is my life proving it? Could someone watch me and say there's a believer? Am I living according to God's rules and not my way, but God's? Would you just take a moment just between you and God? God, here I am today. I'm going to take these elements to remind myself of what I believe. I want my life to live that. I want it to be backed up by that. Help me. Lord, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have provided for us and all of that you have provided so that we will have life both now and forever. But Lord, there also is another choice that we have to face and that is we can choose to go our own way and do our own thing. And that leads to death now, forever. Would you help us to believe what is right and to allow our behavior to represent that truth? No matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it may be, obedience to you, living for you, is always right and best. Thank you for what you've done for us. We celebrate that now. In thy name, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.